Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. On this last weekend of June, there is a sense of hope sweeping across the country, with the Atlantic provinces opening their bubble again, Quebec moving the entire province into the green zone, Ontario moving to the next phase of reopening, and British Columbia just days away from shifting to step three. So I hope wherever you're tuning in from today, you'll take a minute to give yourself a well-deserved pat on the back for making it through this pandemic. And while you're reveling in your awesomeness, I have an incredible show for you to listen to today. An estimated one in four pregnancies end in loss, with many left to navigate their grief and pain alone in silence. Michelle LaFontaine, Program Manager at the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Network at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center, joins me to share details about their Unsilence the Conversation initiative, which offers tools for grieving parents such as a baby ad opt-out plug-in and an unbirth announcement. RBC's She's the Boss profile today is on Alicia Sims, the founder and CEO of Truro Buzz Media and Promotions. Truro Buzz began as a passion project for Alicia, but quickly became a full-scale advertising and media company that forever changed the course of her life. A serial entrepreneur, Alicia is definitely one you'll want to keep an eye on. Anne Brody joins me with her take on Kevin Can F himself on AMC, starring the incredibly talented Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek, and a look at the heart-wrenching fatherhood on Netflix with Kevin Hart, plus loads more to keep you entertained at home. Want to be a superwoman? Dr. Ashley Margitson believes that your hormones are designed to help you gain more energy, be more productive, and avoid burnout. It's not about avoiding your hormones, it's about understanding what they're telling you to optimize your life. She shared details about the Superwoman Code and making your hormones your friend, not a foe. Commemorating the 25th anniversary of Donovan Bailey's 100-meter gold medal and the men's four-times 100-meter relay gold at the 1996 Atlanta Olympic Games, Pass the Baton Canada is an annual celebration of virtual race events benefiting youth charities across the nation. Wendy Ranella, Oakville Community Foundation CEO, joins me to share how Canadians can sign up and participate from coast to coast. Finally, Sheena Kamal transitioned from film TV to writing fiction because there was a lack of opportunities in on-screen media and she wanted to create stories about girls and women who aren't traditionally represented. She joins me to discuss her transition from writing adult thrillers to young adult novels and her interview with Jake Tapper. It's another full week at What She Said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. I remember it clearly. For many expectant parents, the thought of pregnancy loss is not something discussed even when it happens to them. However, an estimated one in four pregnancies end in loss with many navigating their grief and pain alone in silence. More often deemed as a women's issue, this stigma diminishes the fact pregnancy loss impacts everyone involved. Sunnybrook Hospital's Pregnancy and Infant Loss Network has launched a series of online tools called Unsilence the Conversation. Joining me now to discuss is the program manager of the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Network, also known as PALE for short, at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center, Michelle LaFontaine. Thank you for joining me today, Michelle. Thank you for having me. This is such an important initiative. When did you start um, bringing this or, or creating, I guess, the Unsilenced the Conversation initiative? So it was something that came to us through a very generous donation from the ad agency, No Fixed Address, and they saw an opportunity to really uh, become a voice in this space and, and help Pale Network in the advocacy work that we do consistently to bring awareness to this topic, to reduce the stigma and reduce the isolation that surrounds pregnancy and infant loss. So we uh, worked very closely together to develop the video that families can share 
There's the baby ad opt-out as well as some um, images that families can share. And really that's to invite people to start the conversation with them, um, to talk with them, to offer them support. And it's amazing the feedback that we've already been getting. Let's talk a little bit about the difference in, um, you know, uh, pregnancy loss, maybe 40, 30 years ago and pregnancy loss now, because it is quite different. It has changed. And some might think, well, what could be different about it? But if you'll explain to people what is actually different. Yeah. So certainly the dawning of the internet has made things very, very different. Um, and families are now receiving care from healthcare providers who have a much better understanding and appreciation of the impact that this type of loss can have on them. So, you know, 30, 40 years ago, families were not encouraged to spend time with the baby who has died. Uh, miscarriages were not spoken about and, and often something that was just termed, as you'd said, a women's issue. Uh, don't talk about it. Uh, you'll get pregnant again. And it's not something to worry about. Um, when Pale first joined with Sunnybrook back in 2017, we started to receive phone calls from women in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who had never had an opportunity to talk about their baby who has died. So that, that to me just really speaks to the, the level of connection that you have with your baby. And for families who have lost the baby, they, they know that this baby lives on in their hearts forever. And that's not something that goes away. And, and how has the internet changed for, you know, how has that changed women's um, experience after pregnancy loss? So for a lot of families, they will announce their pregnancy on social media. They want to share uh, their announcement, their gender reveal, and lots and lots of pictures are being shared now in a way that just was never done before. So um, that's something that's certainly different. And then families then who experience a loss will have to then figure out how to navigate through those social media channels after this loss has occurred when they've announced to the world and their however many followers on Facebook and Instagram and wherever else they've shared. Um, it's also a place where families look for information. So whereas before we uh, might have talked to our neighbors or talked to our own mothers or other friends about um, ideas to uh, decorate the nursery or to find maternity clothes or what's better um, to buy for the nursery, then now families are just going to Google and putting in their information and having all kinds of, of different ads targeted at them. Uh, and so that then makes social media not the greatest place for them after the baby has died because they're continuing to be targeted by these ads that are created for them. I had not really thought about the impact of those algorithms on people. We all know this happens. You know, you mentioned something and two seconds later, you're seeing it in your Facebook feed. Um, and that's got to be particularly har um, harmful if you've just lost a child. Yeah, it turns social media into a place that is no longer safe for you as a parent who's suffered that kind of bereavement. And so even though that might be the only place for you to turn to in the dark hours of the morning, 2 a.m., where you're just looking for some kind of connection, you're scrolling through your Instagram feed or through your Facebook feed, and there's ads that are coming up for diapers, for formula, for parenting classes, all kinds of things. And, and so then parents, once again, feel like they need to retreat back into their silence and, and not be uh, anywhere that they could potentially be further harmed. So this is where your absolutely amazing tool comes in. So how does this work? So, I mean, the, the programmers and the developers were able to put something together and walk families through a very easy download for their phone or to their browser on their laptop or on home computer, where this uh, baby ad opt-out algorithm essentially breaks that um, cycle so that they can uh, block those ads from coming up anymore. They can specifically identify which ads they want to see less of or none of altogether so that they can then return back to their social networks in a way that is much, much more comfortable for them because social media can be a real place of connection for families and information. And they, uh, they need to know that they can do that without 
constantly being bombarded with those kinds of ads. So it, it's absolutely a game changer for families. It really is. It's, I'm just amazed by this. And the other, the other thing I want to talk about is the unbirth announcement. How does that um, help people? So the unbirth announcement is designed to be used by anybody who's been affected by pregnancy and infant loss. Um, we know that both a pregnant person and the non-pregnant person have a grief needs that need to be addressed. And so by sharing this, we're giving families the language that they may lack to be able to invite people into that conversation with them and tell them what's happened to them. Um, the uh, families who have started to use it since its launch last week have already shared back that they have been connecting with people who now also feel like they can share their loss with them. They're beginning to build relationships where perhaps there was none previously. Um, and it gives them an opportunity to feel like they, they don't have to suffer in silence any longer. Um, when you lose a baby, you absolutely feel like you are alone in that grief. And it's not until you take those steps to come out of that darkness, to be able to share with other families what your experience has been, that then you start to hear that this happened to your sister, this happened to your neighbor, this happened to your friend, it happened to your coworker. Uh, and through that, the stigma will start to decrease and families can then be able to join together. So you mentioned earlier on in the conversation that when you first opened, you had women in, in their 60s, 70s, 80s reaching out to you who had never quite resolved this experience for themselves. There's, so I am assuming there is no timeline on when people can reach out to you um, after experience a loss of an infant? That's right. So there, there is no timeline on grief. We know that this will be a changing experience for families as they move further and further away from their bereavement. Um, but it comes back to you in uh, milestones on special occasions. And so any family in the province of Ontario who's experienced the loss of a pregnancy at any gestational age and for any reason um, is eligible to receive free peer support from Pale Network at any time. Uh, we have lots of groups available that are all meeting online uh, because of the pandemic. Um, and we can also offer to families that, that connection that they're so desperately seeking to be able to learn ways to incorporate that baby into their lives in a meaningful way. And are these tools that are online, uh, you know, opting out and um, the uh, unbirth announcement, are these available to anybody across the country? That's right. So when that's the glory of the media and the website that you can uh, access those tools no matter where you are. All right. Incredible. I want people to be able to find this. I want them to be able to share it with other people. What a wonderful initiative. I'm so pleased you joined me today. Could you tell people how to find out more? Yeah, so please go to our website at palenetwork.ca. There you'll be able to find all the inform information that you need for peer support, for education, lots of resources there for families uh, and uh, anyone around them who wants to help support them in their grief journey. All right, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. This is wonderful. Thank you. Na -na. with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. In today's world, having a sense of community is powerful and something many of us seek when looking for a place to live. Joining me today for RBC She is the Boss is community builder Alicia Sims, the founder and CEO of Truro Buzz Media and Promotions. Originally from Mount Pearl, Newfoundland, Alicia moved to Truro, Nova Scotia in 2014 and opened not one, but two successful businesses, Rolling Sea Tattooery and Secret Nova Scotia Tours. Inspired by her love for her new home and a sense of pride, community, and authenticity she never felt elsewhere, Alicia also launched Truro Buzz, and what began as a passion project quickly became a full-scale advertising and media company that forever changed the course of her life. Welcome to the show, Alicia. Thank you so much for having me. You're a little bit of a powerhouse. Three <laughs> businesses. 
<laughs> yeah, it definitely uh, didn't begin that way. It's organically grown from where I've been and just circumstances that happened with things I was passionate about. But yeah, three businesses. We talked to, uh, we talked to a lot of, of female entrepreneurs. Where does that entrepreneurial spirit come from? I don't know. For me, it came from a sense of freedom in the beginning. I had worked for someone else for seven years uh, in the tattoo industry. And when I decided I was ready to leave Newfoundland and come to Nova Scotia, I was traveling a lot. It was a lot easier for me to do that from here. I decided uh, I looked into working for other people and I decided I want to kind of take the leap to work for myself because I really wanted the sense of freedom to be able to work anywhere through the country internationally. And I didn't want to be tied to a schedule where I had to be there for someone else. So that's where it began for me. And then the rest of the businesses kind of grew from there. True. You fell in love with True. You felt a sense of community there. Why, what led you to decide you needed to promote it and to share the people in that community with others? Well, like a lot of great opportunities, I kind of just fell into it. Uh, when I told people I was leaving Newfoundland, moving to Truro, Nova Scotia, most people were like, why? Because it's <laughs> All. It's uh, it's just under 13,000 people in the Truro area. And uh, I moved here because it was exactly what I was looking for at the time. Like it was central to everything in Nova Scotia. It's an hour from Halifax. It's another hour over to New Brunswick. So I was right in the middle of it. And it had that small town vibe but just urban enough for what I was looking for like it had a winners there's a theater I'm like 15 minutes from any grocery stores so it, it was really up to speed for what I was looking for at the time and then once I moved here I just fell in love with the people there were such great business owners here they were doing amazing things they wanted to collaborate they were organizing festivals and I, I need to share this with everybody so I started to share it on social media and people were really paying attention and then through that Truro Buzz was born and it became the unintentional business I never meant to have. <laughs> I, I will have to say to you, and I have to give full disclosure here. My family is from Cape Breton Island. So oh. I think people from the East Coast are particularly special. I just find them, I, I, I'm hearing what you're saying about the kindness and the sense of community that is exists on the East Coast. It is unlike a lot of the rest of Canada in that sense. So I can understand you saying this. It really, and you know, it's funny, I just got back from a week in Cape Breton Island. We were working up there uh, all over the island for the last week. And that's even different. Again, what a beautiful place it was. People were incredible. The scenery, oh my God, it was so great. So yeah, Nova Scotia or East Coasters of uh, Canada really do have a different flavor all on their own. So somebody's listening to this right now and they probably have a good idea stewing in their brain for a business they'd like to start. What would you say to them to encourage them to just jump in? I have no formal business training at all. I went to the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design. I did a degree in that. And from there, I, I never thought I would own my own business. Like it still blows my mind now, but you don't have to have a business degree or formal business training to have a business. And I think that's a really important fact for people to know because it, it hindered me in the beginning. Like I'm looking down the barrel of writing a business plan. It's a scary thing, but if you have a passion for something, you can do it and you can learn the rest Hopefully not as you go, but yes, as you go as well. I mean, I'm, I started my first business in 2014 and now here we are seven years later with two other businesses toting behind it and all doing pretty well so far. So it's all about, you know, using the resources that are available to you, asking questions of people who are doing the same kinds of work. If you see someone doing something and wonder how they did it, ask them, reach out to help, look for classes, but don't let not having a business degree or that kind of formal knowledge hold you back from exploring the entrepreneurial side of what could be the greatest thing that ever happened to you. And I, I want to talk, touch briefly on TroBuzz is, is online. You do a lot of promotion online. And as we know, uh, that space can sometimes invite negativity. How do you, how do you deal with that? It's funny because when I actually started TroBuzz, it wasn't about me. I wasn't in it. It was like, oh, here's a restaurant. Here's a, an event, things like that. But as it started to become a business and gain momentum, I met with some business strategists about how do I take this to the next step? I don't have this training. And they said, well, I think it should be about you. You need to insert yourself into it. They need to know you, follow along with you, want to come on adventures with you. And I was like, that sounds like an invitation for trolls. And I am not interested in that. <laughs> But I did get over my fears of it and do it. And yeah, negative comments absolutely happen. But the more you do it, the more you realize most people who are being negative online, it's not about you at all. And they may not be people who followed you at all. 
people just like to spew negativity sometimes. So like, take it with a grain of salt. I mean, all you can engage with it. You can not engage with it. I would never say this is how you handle it because it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. I've learned that most times it's say, okay, well, you know, thanks for taking the time to express your opinion, or you don't have to follow me on here if you're not seeing things you like, but it can really be realizing that it's more about what's going on with that person than what you're doing. So try and take it just one thing at a time. Well, I think tourism out east is going to boom in the next little while. People are itching to get out of their house. So I want them to know what's going on in Truro and how to connect with you. Uh, how can they do that? Absolutely. Uh, if you're in this area and want to look up Truro Buzz, you can find us on Instagram at, at Truro Buzz. Uh, we also have a website, TuroBuzz.com. And we also do a weekly newsletter, which is a snapshot of all the things that are happening within that week that you can get right to your email and you can sign up for that at TuroBuzz.com. Or if you want to see any of the many things I'm working on at the moment, you can find me at Alicia E. Tattoo on Instagram or Twitter. Thank you to Alicia Sims from TuroBuzz Media for joining me today. And thank you to our sponsor, RBC. RBC is here to support you through digital first solutions, advice, and services that go beyond banking to help realize your true potential because owning a small business takes something special. That's why RBC is behind you every step of the way. Visit rbc.com backslash business. Joining me now for Saturday Night at the Movies is Anne Brody, who took a nice week off last week. Were you gardening? I was gardening. This is nice. a time. And from now on, it can look after itself. All right. Well, <laughs> I know that you're inside when the sun goes down watching entertainment. So what have you got for us this week? Oh, my goodness. AMC just launched its new series called Kevin Can Blank Himself. The reason I wanted to watch it is because Schitt's Creek's Annie Murphy stars. And I thought, well, where is she going from Schitt's Creek after this? Because she's so strong. And I was doubtful at first. She plays a sitcom wife who has a secret life. And I thought, nah, whatever. So I watched it. It's quite amazing. I've never seen anything like it. All these bright, vividly colored scenes set in a sitcom. And she's, you know, she's got a real uh, uh, guy's guy for a husband in uh, somewhere in Massachusetts and he watches sports and he and his friends pick on her and she's just always ah, ha, ha, and going out and making them food. The other half is the camera follows her into the kitchen. The complete lighting and color palette changes. It's gray and dark and it's real. And she puts her head down like this and she doesn't know what to do. And you follow her. It's kind of gut wrenching. And we see her just, being so unhappy where she is, but putting on this smile, it's really worth seeing. It reminded me a little bit, Anne, of uh, WandaVision. There are still a lot of sitcoms out there, which amazes me. But um, like that, the women are kind of butts of the jokes. But it's so clever. And I really think that she's uh, good at carrying it off because it's a difficult position to be in, to have to be these two separate characters, you know, in, in the kind of shooting schedule that they have. Uh, really worth it. All right. And that's on AMC. Uh, you have fatherhood. I got to tell you, I watched the trailer and I, the tears. Whoa, oh, that's a tearjerker. Right? That's a tearjerker. It is. And it's Kevin Hart. He totally leaves his comedy at the door. He plays a man whose wife is finally pregnant. She gives birth. And a couple of hours later, she dies. It's just astonishingly sad and risk-taking. Um, not funny at all very moving and we see him sort of working through it along with her mother his mother and they're pushing him to tell him what to do and he's pretty much frozen in place um some people don't like it because it's kevin hart being serious i thought he was super good being serious and i think it's worth giving him a chance he's taken a risk and i think it's great to take risks so we follow them through the girl being a young girl and I want to note that Alfre Woodard is in it. And I love oh, her huh. as an actress. I think she is just incredible. Isn't she so, wonderful? That yeah. expressive face. Uh, and where is Fatherhood on? Netflix. Awesome. Okay. Netflix. Uh, next up is God Exists. That's a good God uh, title. Wonderful story. A true story about a girl living in rural Macedonia. She's She's got a degree, but she has no job. 
She lives with her parents who, who are constantly belittling her. Um, she tries to get a job even sewing in a factory and the boss makes a play for her. She, anyway, she's very, she also has body issues. So she goes down to the river on a walk one day and that's the day of the throwing of the cross, which is a, a traditional Eastern European tradition when the priest throws a cross into the river and all the men race to grab the cross. And if they get it and hold it up in the air, they're kings for the year and they get to keep the cross. Well, she just has had enough of life with these men who abuse her. She dives into the river. She catches it. She puts it up. They try to steal it from her. It's a total triumph. And she becomes a pariah. Everybody in the village turns against her. And her one ally is a female news reporter uh, from the biggest local city who comes and follows her story. She's arrested. Petrunia's arrested, put in jail. And she's so willful, so determined that she's right to break these, you know, thousands of year old traditions of, of uh, women being second class citizens. Honestly, it'll make you cheer. It's just wonderful. Okay. We've got, we've got very little time left, but tell me about Sun Children because you were Sun raving Children. about that. Yes. Well, apparently there are 153 million child laborers. And I'm talking four to 12 years old in the world. This film is made in Tehran, uh, Iran, um, following one fellow in particular who's, who, who works. He's maybe nine and he works for various crime bosses, but he's taken in by a school for street children even while he's carrying out all these crimes. And what he goes through is just devastating. You watch him, you follow him, um, and see the kind of things that these kids will do, the dangers they put themselves in just to survive, just to make some money to help their family. And it's won a ton of awards. So that is on TVOD. So you've got all of these and obviously a lot more on what she said, talk.com. You're going to be back next week with more. Uh, anything special planned for us for the long weekend, Dan? Oh, yeah, it's a full one. I got to tell you something. I'm going to have very sore eyes next time we talk. <laughs> All right. All right. That's good. That sounds promising. Thanks so much for joining me today, Anne. All right. Have a good week. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Here's what these hands can do. Be here to hold you. And when you lose your way, here's what my heart would say. any woman about her experiences with hormones and be prepared to stick around a while. From the first time you crack a Judy Bloom book to flipping through what to expect when you're expecting to asking anyone if these sudden hot flashes mean you're in menopause, your hormones are pretty much running the show. Dr. Ashley Margeson, ND, has a clinical practice focused on burnout recovery and prevention, as well as hormone optimization at her Halifax, Nova Scotia clinic, Cornerstone Naturopathic. Ashley believes that your hormones are designed to help you gain more energy, be more productive, and avoid burnout. It's not about avoiding your hormones. It's about understanding what they're telling you to optimize your life. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me, Candace. This is a little bit of a different conversation that I'm used to having about hormones. This sounds almost positive, right? I know. <laughs> it's so fun to get to have get to have these conversations on such a day-to-day -day basis in in my world because really what we're going after is we're going after basically making your hormones your superpower. And if we've got to live with it for 30 years, we may as well leverage it in as many positive ways as possible. I really love that take on it to tell you the truth because when I look back on 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 my life and as I'm sure most women look back on their life, it feels like we're always um, trying to combat our hormones or, mm -hmm. or, or deal with them or avoid them. So how are you teaching people to, to embrace them? 
So our hormones come in from somewhere where we're generally what grade six, grade seven, grade eight. And all of a sudden we get into this sex ed class and we're basically told that we're going to bleed once a month and that's about it. And then the secondary conversation that happens generally is don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. And then why are you not pregnant yet? <laughs> right. And that, that switch is so fun to chat with some of my patients about. Cause they're like, it happened in like a six month period. Um, and so when I was literally like a nerdy grade seven year old kid, I remember having this conversation with my mom and she was like, you came back from sex ed class and went, okay, so cool. Like I have to bleed once a month. Like there's science behind this, but like what else happened? what else is going on with my hormones? Like, why am I only talking about one negative experience when I could be thinking about the 75% that we're not talking about? And so she connected me with like my family doctor who couldn't give me answers, who then connected me to a gynecologist who couldn't give me answers. And then I kind of just forgot about it and went on birth control as a teenager because I was like, well, this seems like a logical thing to do if I don't want to get pregnant. And then I actually started having the conversation in a different way um, of, okay, so what does that other 75% look like? Is there creativity associated with our hormones? Is there energy associated with our hormones? Why do I feel good some weeks of, of the month? And then I feel absolute crappy on other parts of the month. And I, I just wanted to understand why. And I was like, whether or not that impacts me, I just want to understand why this is happening. And what that has evolved to is now teaching so many of my patients and, and people uh, literally across the globe in our online courses about what your hormones are actually doing as they're rising and falling and how we can use that to create more productivity and help ourselves in our jobs and basically have more energy at the end of the day, because really what we're after is just quality of life. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I mean, we've talked about puberty, but I mean, I'm going to, it's a fair bet to say most of my listeners are well past that. Um, so if we could shift a little bit towards the menopause, because I, <laughs> I think that is, that's sort of this, I mean, until recently, of course, and, yeah. and uh, it, it's, it's being talked about a lot more. It's being normalized. Uh, we're learning a lot about it. Mm -hmm but it still feels a little bit like a gray area in our life. And, and there seems to be a rush to want to avoid it, to take the estrogen and not let these things happen to our bodies. How do we, how do we reckon with this, this big shift in our life? Well, the interesting thing about menopause is that menopause is actually the final piece of the puzzle. It's not the middle piece of the puzzle, which is really where we're after that conversation, right? We're really after that conversation in our perimenopausal time, which is like in our forties and people are going like, okay, so what can I do? Like, I know this is coming through. Um, and I like to tell my patients, it's not your mother's menopause. So we hear all of these things from our mother. We hear that, oh, I had hot flashes. They kept me up all night. I, you know, wanted to divorce your father or partner <laughs> or whatever. I almost killed you when you were a teenager. Um, and what we actually now know is that those shifts associated with menopause actually start about 10 years beforehand in perimenopause. And so as we're moving through menopause is basically just the, the cessation of ovulation. And that just means you don't release an egg anymore, but when you're in your early forties, you're actually starting that process. So you're having what we call anovulatory cycles. So anovulatory cycles are cycles where you actually just don't ovulate. Um, women with PCOS have many anovulatory cycles during their, their kind of hormonal years, whether or not they're a teenager or they're in their forties. And so basically what menopause is, is we don't ovulate all of the time. Perimenopause is we're not ovulating sometimes. And so what happens is we lose a fundamental hormone. So everybody talks about estrogen. Estrogen is the first half of our, our cycle. Generally it rises. It helps us lay down that lovely uterine lining. It reaches its peak. And basically we release an egg, which is known as ovulation. As soon as we release an egg at ovulation, we also release something known as the corpus luteum. And the corpus luteum is actually how we build progesterone. 
And where estrogen is this driving energy charge, creative superpower of a hormone, progesterone is our calm down, chill out, make logical decisions hormone. And so they have to balance each other out. Basically, progesterone's role from a uterine perspective is to stabilize the uterine lining. But progesterone's role outside of that is really where its superpowers kind of shine. And that's where we, we come into the brain cascade. So progesterone hits a neurotransmitter receptor in our brain known as GABA. GABA is our calming neurotransmitter. It helps us offset feelings of anxiety and feelings of depression. It helps us chill down. It helps us sleep through the night. And so as we enter into menopause, a lot of the symptoms associated with menopause that we automatically think are estrogen driven are actually a loss of progesterone, which we start to get little glimpses of in our perimenopausal years except we don't generally realize that those are hormonal shifts when they're originally happening. We think, oh, I'm stressed out. Oh, I haven't been sleeping. Oh, so-and-so is going through a lot. Oh, I'm taking on more at work. We're generally in kind of the prime of our, both our work years and our child rearing years and our taking care of parents years as they get older. And so we see a sevenfold increase in women being prescribed antidepressants in their perimenopausal years. But what we know from the data and what we know th from the research is those, those are actually those initial cues of what menopause is going to look like. And so I'm over here in the corner being like, hey, like that's great, take the antidepressant, absolutely 100%, your quality of life is really important. But that's also a cue that you now need to, to understand that this is going to be something that hits you in, in menopause. And so the perimenopausal effect is, how do we understand what our menopausal journey is going to look like? And then what can we do in perimenopause to support that? And I think if you hit on something really key here, I think a lot of us, I mean, clearly, you know, a lot about this as you have a, a podcast, the superwoman code about this. I do. Um, and, and we, you know, a lot of women though, on, you know, unfortunately we are not armed with this information. So these things hit and we just are sort of, we're like a pinball. We're being pushed around, exactly. uh, you know, not really understanding what's happening to our body. Uh, so I love that you've started this, this podcast because I think knowledge is power, um, especially when it comes to our hormones. And if we can understand our own bodies better, we can, you know, live happier, fuller lives, right? Exactly. And we can cue into, oh, this is something that's like, and it comes down to the, the idea that there is a difference between normal and common. Right. And so as we reach out to it, cause something happens and you normally are like, yeah, I should talk to my doctor about that, but I'm actually probably going to ask my mother, my sister, my girlfriends, if they've experienced anything like that as well. And so if everybody's experienced that, then we don't always bring it up to our medical team. Um, and because we don't always bring it up to our medical team, we assume that this is supposed to be happening when it's really not. Listen, I want people to be able to find you, Ashley, because I think obviously this is something we we want to be empowered at this time of our life, not discouraged or feeling like we don't know our own bodies. So where can people find you and follow along uh, to understand what's happening better? Well, as you mentioned, you can find me on every podcast app at the Superwoman Code. We release an episode every single Tuesday, and it ranges in everything about how do you talk to your teenagers about their hormones, to how your hormones can support your burnout, to how you can literally create an optimized life. You can also find me on Instagram at, at Dr. Ashley Margison. And if you're interested in any of our courses or how you can optimize your hormones, you can check us out at Ashley Margison com or cornerstone naturopathic.ca. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today. I feel a little better about this menopause stage. I'm in. I'm <laughs> so menopause. glad to hear that. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day.
commemorating the 25th anniversary of Donovan Bailey's 100 meter gold medal and the men's four times 100 meter relay gold at the 1996 Atlanta Olympic Games, Pass the Baton Canada is an annual celebration of virtual race events benefiting youth charities across the nation. Oakville Community Foundation CEO Wendy Ranella is joining me today to share why this year's event is more important than ever. Welcome to the show, Wendy. Thank you so much, Candice. It's a pleasure to be here. So what is the purpose of, of this race then? What does it benefit? So as you mentioned, it is here to support youth charities. And um, as you are aware, our youth have actually been experiencing um, extreme lockdowns and challenges to their mental health, lack of uh, programming, lack of activities. So this year, it's been a real challenge for kids to have the normal type of uh, interaction, social, that are good for their mental health. So uh, Pass the Baton Canada is raising money for Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and Boys and Girls Clubs of Canada, as well as a sports award, a bursary, um, that uh, Donovan has had here at the Oakville Community Foundation for over 20 years. You have some statistics in and around uh, from the 2020 Participation Report Card. Uh, do you want to share some of those stats? Because I, I know we talk about this all the time on the show, how this pandemic has affected our youth, but these stats are alarming. In 2018, uh, the foundation actually did its own uh, version of uh, the UN report card in looking at what was happening across Canada. And generally at that point in time, we already knew that kids were having challenges with respect to uh, mental health, with stress. Uh, they were certainly having challenges with their eating habits, with too much screen time and too many sedentary lifestyles. So. Uh, you know, we already had these trends before the epidemic and now, uh, I should say the pandemic, and now we're even heightened problems and challenges. Uh, you've probably seen the demand and the jumps in calls to the kids' helpline, uh, demands for mental health supports for youth and children. So that is all part and uh, continuing and, and uh, growing under the pandemic. All right. So if people, uh, so this event then. Sure. So you go on and you register and you can register for um, a number of events, a 1K, a 5K, a 10K or 25K as an individual, or you can register as a group in a four by 100 relay and uh, you'll get a kit uh, with a, a shirt, a technical shirt, a race bib, as well as a medal. And uh, then you you go and you run your own race. And uh, you know you go with your social bubble, you pass the baton for a four by 100. And there is a $5 uh, mandatory uh, donation fee. Uh, and then once you're finished your race, uh, you can post it, tag pass the baton Canada, and you'll be eligible for some cool prizes like some Donovan Bailey swag, uh, and some pass the batons, uh, actual batons that are autographed by Donovan. And uh, we've got a really fun uh, PSA with a number of other athletes. And uh, we are going to be auctioning those uh, batons that they've passed off on eBay. So there's a variety of ways that you can get involved. I think it's worth noting here that you don't have to necessarily run, right? That's right. Yes. <laughs> I just did I'm thinking about all the non-runners out there. It's, we've been in this pandemic for a while. We could maybe start at a slow walk. <laughs> I've heard of some people that are planning to swim. We've got obviously walkers. We've got uh, cyclists. Um, I even heard of some horseback riders that are probably planning to try and pass the baton amongst themselves. So yep, any, any way that you can uh, use mobility because uh, once you move the body, you improve the mind. So that's the whole idea behind it as well. So it's about going the distance any way you can make it then. That's right. It is about going the distance. And for Donovan personally, Pass the Baton is about passing our knowledge and experience uh, down to the next generation. So that's why there's such an emphasis on youth. And it's about uh, raising the funds so that our, our uh, next generation can be supported in all the things that they dream about and want to accomplish. How many years has Pass the, Bat Pass the Baton been running? One. This, this is our first. first. Yes, it is. <laughs> this is so great. That's exciting. Okay. And this yeah. is to celebrate the 
fifth anniversary, correct? That's right. That's right. Of uh, Donovan's gold medals. And most people can tell me exactly where they were and what they were doing if they're over 40 um, when Donovan won his gold medal. So I don't know if you have a story to share, but I certainly know where I was. <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't know. 25 years ago. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even want to guess, uh, but I do want people to uh, participate in this if they want to want run, walk, jog, <laughs> swim, however you want to do it. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so where can people sign up and get involved? Because this is this is sort of everything. It gets you out, gets you active, gets your kids active and it benefits youth. Such an important initiative. So where can people go? Uh, they can go to www.passthebatoncanada.com and you can uh, get a link directly to register for one of the races or you can just donate directly. You can also watch a bunch of fun videos and uh, take part in our social media challenges. So right now we were we had a challenge to win a 2001 audio video gift card if you knew what was the number one song 25 years ago. So uh, uh, that's the last contest that I can tell you it was the Macarena. So there you go. <laughs> well, there you go. You can macarena to the finish line. Thank you so much for joining me, Wendy. This was great. Well, thank you. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you and your viewers. Have a story for what she said? Email us at 1059theregion.com. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region. Representation matters. My next guest transitioned from film TV to writing fiction because there was a lack of opportunities in on-screen media, and she wanted to create stories about girls and women who aren't traditionally represented. Sheena Kamau holds an HPA in political science from the University of Toronto and was awarded a TD Canada Trust scholarship for community leadership and activism around the issue of homelessness. Her best-selling debut, The Lost Ones, won her a Kobo Emerging Writer Prize, a Strand Critics Award, and McCavity Award for Best First Novel. The sequel, It All Falls Down, has been called a stunning, emotionally resonant thriller in its Kirkus starred review. No Going Back and her first young adult novel, Fight Like a Girl, were released in 2020. Welcome to the show, Sheena. Thank you so much for having me. I want to let people know how I found you. I found you on TikTok. I came across you on TikTok. There was a very funny video you did where you were invited to interview Jake Tapper by Toronto Public Library, and you thought it was a joke. Yeah, I mean, how um, how could that have been a serious inquiry, right? Um, I don't interview people for a living or anything, and so to be asked to interview uh, Jake Tapper, it was completely left field, um, and uh, and and I really did. I was like, no, this can't. And it and the request didn't come from a Toronto Public Library email address either, so so I was like, no, I don't. This is this someone is playing a very strange joke on me. Um, well, the, what I think I found, I found it very funny that you did that. But also what I found um, endearing was that I thought I, I could feel you were struggling with a little bit of imposter syndrome. And just from what I just read about you to the audience, you're actually quite accomplished in all that you've done. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, we don't uh, see ourselves objectively. And, um, and yeah, like, I, I don't interview people really. Um, so that they would consider me for Jake Tapper was so yeah, I mean, it was humbling. And, um, and it ended up being kind of a pretty interesting experience um, to, to do that. But you know, as you as a person who interviews others, as well, it's, um, it's actually quite hard work to do a good interview. It is, it is. And, uh, you know, and so, but the other thing that I love about you is that, you know, going through all of the things that you share on social media, you're, you know, you are clearly an activist and you're, you're quite keen on sharing your views, especially when it comes to young women. And that to me, for what she said, is everything. So I would like to talk about Fight Like a Girl, if you don't mind. What inspired you to write that book? Fight Like a Girl, came to me kind of like a fever dream. 
Um, I was supposed to work on one of my adult thrillers. Um, and then I um, took a little break and I went to Rome to do some writing. And it, there was a heat wave there. And this character just popped into my head. And uh, she was a, a teenager, a Muay Thai fighter. And her voice was so present and so urgent. I just put aside the other book and I was like, no, this, this is really coming to me. Um, and it's set around the sport of Muay Thai, which is considered to be a very masculine dominated sport. Um, and I've trained it for a number of years. So I know that there are girls and women who do train Muay Thai. And I wanted to show uh, other girls out there that, yeah, like you can do this and training martial arts and training a combat sport can be for you if that's what you want. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how it came about. I, I had been basically training for a really long time and um, and it, it all sort of melded together during that heat wave and it became a book. Do you feel that, you, you know, so you were writing adult thrillers and now th- there was this young adult novel. Do you feel that you've, you've, um, you will stay in that space? It wasn't a decision that I'd made. I just wrote the book and it was no, no, um, I didn't pull any punches. You know, if, if there was a tough issue that I wanted to delve uh, into with the book, I, I went there and I didn't think that it was a young adult novel I, because I don't, I don't usually write them. And so I just sent it to my agent and my agent was the one who told me that it was YA. Uh, so I'm absolutely open to doing more YA stuff. It would just have to be the right idea and a character just like Trisha, who just sort of comes to me and is really strong. So you say that a lot of what you write is issue based. Um, why is that important to you? My background is in political science. And when I was a teenager, I used to be a youth activist. Um, and it was, uh, it was a formative experience for me to be involved in activism at a young age. And so I sort of shied away from it as I got into university, but it didn't mean that I didn't care about issues. It's just that I didn't believe in this, the systems of power and, um, how charities work. I, I don't really know if they're, that's the most effective thing. So I kind of lost my faith a little bit. And it's only when I started writing that I realized that, no, this um, interest in social justice issue, this interest in, in politics um, as well, it's still present in me. It's just that I will try to do it through storytelling rather than, you know, telling people, you should care about this, you should care about this, people tune out. But if you if you tell a story that kind of tackles a subject, but it's, you know, it's, it's built around um, a, a really compelling narrative, that to me is more effective because the human animal is an imaginative animal. You're right. And stories sway people uh, with, with, in the way that they're thinking about things. Uh, mm-hmm. I, really, I really love um, everything you're doing uh, on social media. I want people to find you, mostly on TikTok. I want them to go find you right now. Uh, but I also want them to find your books, obviously. So where can they connect with you, Sheena? My website, SheenaKamal.com, uh, Instagram at SheenaKamalWrites, and TikTok at SheenaKamalWrites as well. Um, it's the first time I'm actually in my career that I'm kind of active on social media. I don't know if it's a fit yet, but I, I like making little videos and stuff. So please find me there. I would be happy to connect with you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at WhatSheSaidTalk.com. And be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to re-listen to this episode and find full details for all of today's guests. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.